a believer and uh, corporately a local church who does not or which does not have a complete dependence on God in the ministry will be loaded with problems. That's because uh, by definition, if there is not absolute dependence on God, then that means there must be some element of human effort involved. Do you follow? Arminian theology, of course, has mankind um, participating in the choosing for salvation. That is profoundly problematic. Modern-day American Christianity with its uh, church growth emphasis, relying on personalities, programs, and promotions, and the like, um, in order to see their buildings, budgets, and baptisms increase, is problematic. But yet we can see that, quote, it works. Because it's only in our day, only in the last couple of generations, has there ever been the phenomena of mega churches throughout church history. Did you follow that? That in the day, uh, in the era, when there's never been more man-centered Christianity, so-called, at the very same time, uh, there's never been more so-called mega churches. And what is characteristic of that? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, putting down at all uh, churches that run the thousands of people. It'd be wonderful if we ran the thousands of people. I guess it would be. I don't know. I don't know what that's like. Uh, I don't mind that we don't. If we did, that'd be fine too. So it's not the size necessarily. It's more the mentality or uh, the, um, the, um, the practice of, of how so much that we see gets there. And, and of course, it is to a great degree dependent on personalities uh, and the like. Regarding church work, regarding the service of God's people, I want to remind us that it is not primarily about the messenger. It's primarily about the message giver. That is, this is about the Lord. This is his church. He could move me out of the way in a minute. He could move somebody else, and he has uh, throughout the last 2,000 years. There's none of the apostles are still remaining, and the, the early church fathers, and the last generation of preachers and missionaries and Sunday school teachers and Awana leaders and committee chairmen and the like in God's work. They've all gone on to their reward. But that's not to say that our involvement the effort of God's people is unimportant. Of course it's important. He has ordained that we be part of this. He has ordained that there be messengers. But that is not what is most important, but the message giver. So, with that as a backdrop, may we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 5 through 11, but picking up to verse 1, for the context. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, but we'll actually study verses 5 through 11. I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, and not with solid food. For to this time you were not able to bear it, neither are you now able. For you are yet carnal, 
For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal that is fleshly uh, and walk as men? Just walk as uh, people of the world? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? That is, isn't that a fleshly uh, disposition to have? And now we pick up in verse 5. Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that gives the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's cultivated field. You are God's building according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation Another builds on it, but let every man take heed how he build upon it. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We're important, but we're not most important, as this text would suggest. First of all, we need to be mindful from our text that we are servants, sowers, and soulmates in the work of God. We're not the harvester. We're not the, uh, the Lord uh, of, uh, of, the, uh, of the field uh, or any such thing. That really does seem to be the emphasis here. Our text points out to those who know and follow the Lord, Paul and Apollos being illustrious of that, that each one of us will be used of the Lord, but it must be that which God will do, not what I can do. And notice Paul and Silas, not carbon copies of one another, nor are any of us. In fact, we are unique cells in the body. We are unique members uh, within the body. Uh, Each one of us uh, stands with a different DNA and unique in our abilities and gifts and experiences and styles and and desires and the like. Uh, And yet, God weaves all that together um, and uses it for his glory. Now, there are three uh, uh, different divisions, if you will, mentioned here of who we are. First of all, the text says that we are servants of the Lord. Um, The word minister is uh, the word for servant in verse 5. Not a formal office in this case, but deals with the heartbeat of their lives. Yes, Paul was an apostle. Yes, Paul was a missionary. Yes, he was a church planner. But more than anything else, and what he referenced himself many times, I am a servant of the Lord. Like all believers, we're called to serve the Lord, and, and our service is to him. Now, folks, think about this. It's the temptation of young preachers, young pastors, is that you prepare a message uh, and, and you labor. Maybe Brother Hezekiah can relate to this back when you, you were in Cameroon. And you pour yourself into it and something goes on with the weather or something, some circumstance or just because. You, uh, uh, there is uh, those who show up for that particular preaching time a, a tenth of what you thought that there would be. And the temptation is to be downcast because not everyone has come out to hear you. Well, I hope and I think 
I believe I've gotten past that sometime back, that temptation, because I'm not serving for you. I'm serving you, but I'm not serving for you. Do you all appreciate that? And so when you put an offering in the offering plate, you're not paying me, and you're not paying for the lights. You are offering worship to the Lord. When you teach that class, you serve on that committee, you are serving not God's people, not ultimately, and not primarily, but primarily you are serving Him. And when a a, a believer and a church really uh, comes to grips with that, truly comes to grips with it, and owns that theology, wow, now God is on that. He is resting His power, His anointing, His blessing upon a person or a local church who will say, to God be the glory, to God alone be the glory. Paul recognized that. In fact, in a very similar place in the next Bible book, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, now that we, that is Paul and Timothy in that case, are sufficient of ourselves to think anything, or not that we, uh, to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers or servants of the New Testament, the New Covenant. The servants are not the main issue in the work of Christ. If you'll notice in verse 7, Paul very clearly states it. So then, neither is he who plants, that is, I'm not anything, nor he that waters, that is, Apollos isn't anything, but God is the one who matters. He's the one who is important. We are not the bright lights. We're to shine from the bright light. We're not the sun. We're the moons. Uh, I guess that would make us moonies, right? No, no, never mind. He is the one shining, and I am to reflect his sunshine. Notice also at the end of verse 5, it's even as the Lord gave. Look at the end of verse 5. We are ministers, we're servants, and by us you believed as the Lord gave to everyone. Maybe you heard it from Paul. Maybe you heard it from Apollos. Maybe you heard it from another uh, uh, faithful servant of the Lord. And, uh, and you, you heard the gospel from someone. How many of you first heard a uh, gospel from mom and dad when you were little in the home? Hold your hand up high. Uh, you were trained in the way of righteousness from mom and dad. How many uh, first heard it from some ministry of the church, a pastor, a vacation Bible school, Sunday school teacher, a wanna leader, somebody like that? You heard the gospel? Good. A number of you. So uh, that says, uh, just by way of, of uh, extrapolating this uh, uh, up to the present, that our ministries are important. We actually do uh, see people come to know the Lord uh, through that way. And so someone or some entity, ministry, share the gospel with you. But folks, it's not primarily about that messenger. Uh, It's primarily about the message giver, the Lord himself. So we are servants. Secondly, it says in our text that we are sowers. We are those who sow. Guys, I'm not advancing. don't know why. It's frozen. Paul and Apollos were consumed, were serving God through sowing the seed of the word of God. Paul, to a great degree, shared the gospel with the lost. Apollos, according to verse 10, built on that foundation um, and discipled believers to the greatest degree. And that's what we are doing. 
There might be one particular situation where you are sowing the gospel. That I was blessed this weekend uh, dealing with um, a couple of folks. One knew the Lord and uh, a very new believer. And I was able to, uh, to, to speak into that life. Discipleship uh, uh, and Christian growth. The other one uh, came to the meeting not knowing the Lord and recognized within the midst of our meeting, uh, no, I don't have any assurance of salvation. And so shared the gospel shared Romans road and that person said yes Lord Jesus come into my heart save it's the work of Paul it's the work of the Lord through Paul through Apollos or through you uh, wherever you are so we are those who uh, sow the gospel seed we are servants we are so sowers and I don't guess we got that correction made but we are soulmate that is on the main point on point a we are soulmates now folks this would tell us here the apostle Paul said uh, yeah I've planted Apollos has watered this person did that that's this other there's no competition it is notice at the end of verse 5 even as the Lord gave to everyone someone sowed the gospel seed into your life and into your heart. Uh, we are soulmates. There is not a competition. Um, there's not a disunifying spirit of competition between Paul, uh, Timothy, Apollos, Silas, and the like. And I'm so thankful that the best I can tell, we do not have uh, a, a spirit of competition here uh, at Redbridge, uh, you, you'll see uh, a variety of people who will be preaching up here. I am not jealous of the pulpit. Whenever uh, Jacob uh, preaches or Garrett preaches or Hezekiah, whoever it might be, preaches and stands behind this pulpit, I am the chief cheerleader. Uh, typically, I'm not here, but I'm the chief cheerleader when I am uh, listening. Not Very protective of it, but not jealous of it because I want God's word to be just broadcast to all who will give a listening ear. We are soul mates. We share in the same purpose. Notice at the beginning of verse 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. We are in this together. We are sowing in the field. We are watering together. Um, we are not a bunch of individuals. We are teammates. We are soul mates. Now even though soul mates, Paul and Apollos Paul and Apollos still would receive rewards personally and individually. Look at the end of verse 8. Every man, every single believer shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. The temptation is when things are, are, are robust. And we've, had, we've, had, we've got a couple of areas at this church that's been very robust for a long, long time, many, many years, we are known, we might even be known nationally, I'm not sure about that, uh, in Awana. Um, uh, uh, brother, uh, brother Commander, you're, you're, uh, you're standing on a lot of shoulders, amen, uh, who have come before you. Uh, and that work is continuing on because for a long time, we, we have had a very robust and a very um, fruitful, I don't even want to say successful, but fruitful Awana ministry uh, uh, here and uh, regionally and even nationally. Um, we are robust in missions. I mean, a little old church like ours, uh, starting a third world ministry, what, what, who do we think we are doing something like that 21 years ago? And yet 
we see how fruitful it is. It's because there's no competition, there, there is a no, um, and yet everyone does his own labor. And the, the temptation is that being a Redbridger, you might be thinking, you might be tempted to think, uh, well, look what we have going here, look what we have going there. And I'm a part of that, and yet, maybe not lift a hand Maybe not give to missions. Uh, maybe not ever uh, uh, lead an Awana group or serve on a committee. And so every one of us, though collectively uh, we may be fruitful, there's still the individual stewardship necessary. You all following that? That's what the text says. Everyone will receive his or her own reward according to what he or she has done in laboring for the Lord. Richard Linsky wrote, what each, I don't know if I turned that off, no. What each of us is able to do in the church is an undeserved gift from the Lord's hands. Bend the knee, give him thanks. No bragging rights is all it's saying. Undeserved in the sense of, without him, I am nothing. Without him, I can't do anything. It's, the messenger is important. He uses the messenger. But let's keep the emphasis on the message giver, the one who has said, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Secondly, from our text, we have a savior to serve and a seed to sow. That, those are the marching orders. That's the bottom line of what it means to serve the Lord in God's field of depraved humanity as well as in God's field of believers who need to be discipled. And so it, it sure appears that every single one of us is to be involved in two particular fields. We're all to be sharing the gospel with the lost in word and deed, in so many words, in supporting the gospel message going out to the world, and we're all to be edifying one another, building up one another uh, and uh, for the cause of Christ. And so, <clears throat> the gospel, then, when we share that, when we witness, it's the foundation. And that's what it's talking about in verses 10 and 11. There isn't any other foundation, uh, only the pure foundation of the gospel of Christ. That is the foundation, verse 11. And Paul laid this foundation. He laid it near the end of his second missionary journey in the city of Corinth, and the lost person who would believe would, in fact, receive the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1, 16 tells us. For a saved person, look what happens. It says earlier in this book, in 1 Corinthians 1, 18, the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness, but unto us, the saved, it is God's power. It's the power of God unto salvation. And so uh, the, uh, the gospel is foundational. Folks, may we never become uh, so, uh, so uh, program-oriented and uh, efficient and successful and fruitful uh, in our various endeavors as a church that we lose focus of the foundational principles of the gospel, the gospel for the lost and the gospel for us, not not the gospel of justification, but what is the gospel? It is Christ in me, 
the hope of glory. Uh, and, and so uh, the gospel is alive every day in my life and must be in yours as well. So it's foundational. Christ gave himself for me. And Acts 4.12 speaks about that foundation. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So the gospel, maybe it's better stated, is the foundation uh, according to verses 10 and 11. It's the foundation for why we're even here. And you build uh, uh, upon a sturdy, uh, faultless foundation. Only then is the building going to be secure. Only then is the work going to be fruitful generation after generation. Think about this. Uh, Back in the early uh, 60s, the people of downtown, uh, I'm not sure where it's located, the old Bethany Baptist Church here, had an idea that out in the grasslands and out in the farmlands of South Kansas City, where there wasn't anything here, uh, had the idea that just about nothing here, a few residences, but not much to speak of, had the idea that there should be a gospel lighthouse out there in the uttermost parts of the earth, (laughs) South Kansas City. And uh, they planted this church. Now, those who were involved were probably in their 40s and 50s and 60s. My guess is now, nearly 60 years later, most, if not all of them, are, are with the Lord. Yet the work continues because it wasn't primarily about them. God used them and he wanted them to do a great work. It was primarily about the message giver and they built on that foundation. Amen? Do you all see that? So it continues until this day. May we see it continue on and on. I tell you, uh, we are blessed. Uh, these, these are great days uh, in uh, preschool work at Redbridge. <laughs> great days. These are tiresome days in preschool work at Redbridge because we, uh, we've seen a lot of babies of late. Uh, Jeremiah, how many do you have in your lap? Four or five in your lap right now, I think? Oh, only two? Well, you're, you're taking it easy. <laughs> and so that's the blessing. Uh, Darius, you have more than, you got a couple on your lap also, don't you? Just one on your lap. Uh, and, and Ellen, you're just, you're going the easy way, just carrying this one inside for a while. And <laughs> we're blessed. We're building, we're seeing uh, uh, the building going on in the lives through procreation but also through regeneration, new people coming to know the Savior. Wow, what a day to be alive in the work of God. Uh, I, uh, I tell you, uh, I know I'm not going to retire. I'm going to re-enlist. <laughs> and we build on the foundation. Secondly, God produces the fruit. We know that. It's, it's so abundantly clear. God brings the increase at the end of verse 6. And he will do the work. He is the priority. You'll remember in closing out the first section of the, or, or, or the section about in Romans of, uh, uh, that dealt extensively with salvation and then as it applied to the Jews in chapter 11 and verse 36. It says, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. 
Oh my, may we renew our commitment and our conviction that the work of God in uh, and through the church is not about a personality. It's not about a program. Uh, Awana can come and go. Sunday school can come and go. Small groups can come and go. Uh, a, a choir, uh, instruments, wh- what a, a comfortable auditorium. Those things, though God can use them, and he does through his people, what is most important is the foundational message of the gospel and the understanding that God is the one who brings about the fruit. He's the one building uh, the structure. He's erecting the structure. It's his field in which we sow and see him bring in a harvest. All the credit goes to the Lord. And in that, there won't be competition among members. You know, the body parts who are brainless, that is my liver doesn't have its own brain, my pancreas doesn't, my kneecap doesn't, it's all, they're all directed uh, by the head. And there's no jealousy or competition between them. It's as the head directs. You all, you all see that? You appreciate that? Well, that, that's designed that way on purpose so that in the 21st century, a spitting, spewing, hollering, hooping, sweating preacher can say the designer gets all the credit and all the glory. Uh, and that's the case in the church. It produces humility, and humility is the key to greatness. So, whether you're a preacher, you're a Sunday school teacher, you're an Awana worker, you're a choir member, you're a singer, you play an instrument, you're a committee chairman, you work in extended care, you serve on a committee, you go on a mission trip, or any and all of the above, visiting the sick, sharing the gospel, your work is vital only as it is yielded to the Lord and dependent on him as you call upon him, as you depend on him. He will bless you and cause you to be fruitful. You remember John chapter 15? What, uh, what, what was the key ingredient? What was the key qualifier for bringing forth fruit? John 15, what is it? If I abide. Those who abide in him, that is, are very near the heart of God, who are wholly dependent on him, who call upon him, who trust in him, who reflect his brightness, those are the ones who will be fruitful. He has said. And what fruitfulness look like, looks like is, is dependent on what he wants it to look like. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. It is according to his will. But let's be fruitful by remembering, yes, the messenger is important in the work. He has designed it that way. But the message giver has the priority in our own lives, individual lives, and in the life of the church. Lord, I'm thankful for your word and how I'm reinvigorated and re-instructed and reminded that Truly, this is all about you. In fact, Jonah told us this in the belly of the great fish. Salvation is of the Lord. And it's because of you, through you, and by you, and for you. It's unto you 
that we serve. May that always be the case in this local church as we depend uh, entirely on you to use your people in this place. So Lord, use our talents, our gifts, use our opportunities to witness. Open those doors as only you can. Use our uh, offerings for the support of your work. Use our experience in teaching. Uh, Use our uh, counseling with one another, encouraging, all motivated by love and in humble dependence on you. And Lord, you'll be honored. You'll be high and lifted up in our midst. And the people of God will walk together in unity. And how good and pleasant that is, as your word declares. So, seal this, these truths, to our hearts uh, that we would leave here this day, this evening, even more committed to, to share the foundation of salvation, the gospel message, and then be used of you to see your people built up in the faith. Lord Jesus, in your glorious name we pray.